Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the One More Jump podcast by Rise Pole Vault. If you have not, head over to risepolevault.com to look at our online store. We've got some cool merch over there. And we just made a World Championships Edition Team USA uh, Rise shirt, which I think is really, really cool. And we made that because my brother, Luke Winder, ended up qualifying for the World Championship team. And then him and I were heading over. Actually, I'm heading out on Thursday to go coach him at the World Championships. It was pretty surreal. But at the same time, we had a plan. And if you execute a plan long enough and you you execute goals, short-term goals turn into long-term successes. And that's kind of what we've been doing this year. And I'm really proud of him. But yeah, so we made a t-shirt about it. And if you want it, you should go over and check it out. Today's episode is with Emily Grove. She is a native of Pontiac, Illinois, Illinois stand up. Um, she set the state record of 13 feet, five inches back in the day. And she was a six time all American at university of South Dakota with uh, coach Derek miles. And yeah, she is really an awesome person, really fun to talk to super sweet and down to earth. And, and yeah, she is not showing any signs of, of slowing down. She had a few years, the last few years have been a little bit more difficult. She dealt with obviously the the pandemic situation, but then also she's been having some Achilles issues. So, uh, yeah, it's really difficult. So we got into that a lot about how to deal with injuries and the mental side of dealing with injuries, but she's on the mend. She jumped 475 at the Olympic Training Center not too long ago, right before USA's actually. And yeah, she's she's ready to rock. She's she's gonna gonna put it down. She got two more meets this year, and looking forward to seeing what those what those turn out like. So, hope you guys enjoy this episode with Emily Grove. Right, right. Yeah. So how did you get that job? And how long have you been working there? So when I, I got a fifth year in college or a sixth year in college, I don't know if you guys knew that. So when I was in grad school, I was applying for GA positions. And so this one was open in the financial aid office. And so when I graduated, my boss kind of walked down to the office and she's like, what are you doing next year? I'm like, I don't know, pole vaulting, I think. <laughs> right. And then she asked if I wanted to work full time. And I kind of explained, I would love to, if I can still pole vault and kind of do this thing at the same time. And she's like, yeah, let's do it. So, Dang. Isn't that like very similar to what Derek did too? He was um, academic advising at Arkansas State. So oh, okay. All right. Kind of a similar thing, just a different job position, I would say. Right. But it's kind of cool that you were able to, I feel like it's kind of rare for you to get a position that you can live off of at the school that you graduated from or, or are training at, you know? So it's like, that's super clutch. man. I absolutely lucked out. And then the boss that hired me, uh, she's retired. And then the lady who took her position also really like helps me out and supports me through this. So I'm like, wow, I couldn't have asked for any better than that. That's awesome. So like, how does that work with, so this is, 
this is a full this is not a part-time position no this mm-hmm. is a full-time job yep okay so, so how does that work four. <laughs> yeah come into work at seven get off at four um and then i go and train after that sometimes i can i have a little bit room to kind of mess with it so like if derek's is needs me to jump at noon i'm like okay i'll just take a longer lunch and then i stay at work a little bit later oh so they're like understanding and you know they kind of work are a little bit flexible i mean you are a good promotion for the school too you know like your success (laughs) like if you're successful at you know what you're doing you know you graduated from there and it kind of just shows like okay people who graduate from here i mean you guys got a pretty decent track record you know with chris and you coming yeah that definitely helps usd I got it yes. right that time. <laughs> there you go. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so like, so you, so you go and you work and you do all your stuff and then you, you train. And so you said like the thing that with Derek is that it, it's kind of like whenever he can do the workout is whenever you kind of need to adapt around that or. Right. Yeah. And is Chris on uh, the same the schedule school? as you? Uh, Chris, I, we kind of overlap sometimes, uh, but he usually trains at like 11 o'clock. So mm. I miss him a lot. Um, in the summer though, we're usually together. So I'll go over my lunch hour or whatever it is. Since summer training is besides jump days, it's usually pretty light. It doesn't take very long. So. Right. Right. Cause you guys have a competitive schedule. And so how yeah. does that, how does that work with your competitions? Like what if you have Luckily. to travel on Thursday or something? Yeah. So luckily a lot of times I can work remote um, and just make sure my work gets done too. Otherwise I'll just use my PTO, my annual leave. Gotcha. Gotcha. Dang. That's yeah, that's clutch. So I did the same thing at, out of college as I, I was a teacher. So it was a little bit more okay. like there was no remote teaching hard. option, you know, like, um, and it was really, I don't know. I go back and forth with, if I would do it like that again, like, so like if I had the choice, like somebody swoops in and is like, Hey, I'm going to sponsor you. And you're going to make, you know, $50,000 a year. You don't have to work anymore. You can just pull vault. I always go back and forth with if that would have worked for me. So do you think that if you spent all day, every day, just thinking about and training for pole vaulting that it would work for you? Personally, I think I'd blow myself up. <laughs> I think I would just do way too much volume and then I just wouldn't get out of it. So this actually works really, really well for me. I don't think that I would jump any higher if I wasn't working. Yeah. Um, it does get a little bit stressful. Like I was coaching high school pole vault too. So like the peak of our kind of getting ready for us champ season is also state championships for high school. So that got a little bit hard to juggle all those moving parts at once. Um, but once we're through it, like it was definitely worth it. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's what, I guess what I'm wondering is, is, uh, I, I thought the same thing like, would I, is this a good distraction for me? You know, is this a good yeah. distraction that, that I'm not waking up every day and, and just like thinking about, pole vaulting and like my workout and all of these things you just like go to a a job and you get to distract yourself and then when you're at the workout you know you're focused and all that but 
Yeah, I I feel like I would have been kind of similar, but everybody's different. Everybody has different personalities and and stuff like that. So that's cool that it it works for you. And that's interesting that you said that you don't think you would jump any higher if you were just a full-time pole vaulter. Yeah. uh, So do you think that that's like the mental part that you would blow yourself up or physically or yeah i think i'd just be stewing about okay those piles didn't feel as snappy as i wanted them to i better go and try them again you know <laughs> right like yeah and then you just drive yourself nuts and then you end up at the track all day long right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because when i first graduated i struggled most with not having people around me like training by myself so now I think that I'm in the office all day, working around people all day, and then I go to training. It's almost like nice. So now I walk into training. I'm like, now I get to do my own thing and kind of just get into a nice mental groove there. Right, right. So where did uh, you start vaulting? Like, and what what was your experience like growing up in the pole vault? In Pontiac, Illinois, actually. Yeah. Pretty close to you guys. It is. It's like um, 45 minutes, I think. Maybe. Yeah, it's not bad. 30, out. Yeah. Um, in the cornfields, man. It is way deep in the cornfields. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Uh, but I started in eighth grade with my high school coach, Corey Christensen. Um, great guy, super full of energy. Uh, and we still keep in contact here and there. So yeah. 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 He's like, ways. <laughs> yeah. I jumped with uh I jumped against one of his other athletes, Phil Hansen, later on. Yep uh, in my, in my high school career, which, uh, yeah, it's, it's, so how, what were your facilities like growing up? Like, did you have a lot of access, um, yeah. things like that? I feel like my generation was just starting to get into like the full year round training. I could be wrong there, but that's the viewpoint I had on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started like our outdoor track was fine. Um, and then indoor, we didn't have any facilities. So we would do what we can, like the rope vaulting, um, pole carries, things like that. <clears throat> and then I started, when I got more serious about it, when I was probably a freshman or sophomore in high school, I started going to the Flying Dragons and jumping in the wintertime. Right, So then right. I got the more indoor jumping. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that, uh, how, how much do you attribute like your early success. I mean, you were a 13, five pole vaulter in high school. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When I was a senior, that's a, that's a really good jump as a high schooler. That's crazy. Um, I, to be honest, I don't know how that even happened. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't know what pole I had in my hand. <laughs> Do you remember? Come on. You got to remember. You, like you got to remember what grip. Like 13 pole. foot, like 150 or 160 or something like that. Gosh, and it was cut. Dang. So it was a spirit pole that was cut. right (laughs) right yeah that's that's uh that's actually a really good jump on a 13 foot long pole like at that age that's uh not very many people jump it on that yeah i was probably like 110 pounds 115 pounds i was pretty small in high school (laughs) so what was your athletic background though i did a lot of 400s and then like 300 hurdles uh basketball um what else i do I played tennis for a year because I didn't want to do cross country anymore. So I kind of dabbled in everything. <laughs> so no gymnastics. None. Whoa. That's strange. Was, like usually funny. there's would, a lot of people that that transition, especially females that transition from gymnastics to pole vaulting. For sure. Like diving. Uh, we had a right. USD vaulter that was in diving and she was pretty good. Um, 
but I went to one gymnastics practice and all of the girls could do like walking on their hands across the gym, like floor. And I couldn't, <laughs> and I was so distraught. I didn't go back to practice. No way. That's yeah. hilarious. So like, so that's, that, that interests me because you, you mentioned basketball. Whenever I was younger, my dad would always, my dad coached the pole vault for still does, but like coached for 30 plus years uh at north central college and he always used to say like i would really much rather have like a basketball player uh, really? or like or like somebody who has a general athleticism like about them and so that's just interesting that you say that you'd mentioned basketball and and things like that so you must have some sort of like decent athletic ability in order to be able to to pole vault high. Did you get that from like your mom and dad? Were they athletic at all? Or? Absolutely not. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I really don't think that I'm that athletic. I just try really hard. So if I were to give you a basketball right now and line you up at the free throw line, out of 10 free throws, how many are you making? Yeah, I don't know. It depends if I'm dialed in that day, I guess. <laughs> I'd probably, I'd probably be over 50% though. Really? Okay. Probably. That's pretty athletic, right? But I like, so I remember I tried out for fifth and sixth grade basketball and I had no chance of making the team. And I remember I went home and I was just crying in tears. And every day that summer I was doing the drills they taught us. So I'd make the team the next year. And I did, I made the team and I got to play and all that stuff. So, so I'm not like worker. naturally talented. I just, yeah. So you're a grinder. Yeah, I don't stop when it's in my head. <laughs> That's okay. Well, that explains it. So, so you're so that was actually one of my questions I was going to ask later on uh, in the podcast is just like, what are your greatest attributes? And it sounds like work and just you know setting goals and then just kind of just going after them and not stopping until they're they're done. Yeah. Is that is that just kind of always been a part of who you were? Yeah, I think so. I think like in gymnastics, you get a really good feeling for things. I think not being in gymnastics, it just takes me a long time to kind of figure that out. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I could see that for sure. Yeah, it is weird, you know, flipping upside down and learning how to be cool with, you know, I think yeah. they call it uh, air awareness or whatever. Yeah. Um, if you don't have any of that, I remember being very jealous of a lot of people who I vaulted with because they could all do uh, standing back tucks, like standing yeah. back lifts. I was just like, dude, that like, I would rather jump into a pool of sharks than I'm the same. do a standing back. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm probably not going to land it. <laughs> I don't know what it was like, even flipping upside down when I was younger into like a handstand. I would like, I don't know. It was just very strange. So yeah. anyway, well, I ended up being a pole vaulter. Um, <laughs> so why did you choose? So, so let's go back to your high school career. So you jumped 13, five years, senior year, you said? Yeah. Okay. And then like, what was your progression leading up to that? Like freshman or eighth grade so, freshman? Yeah. Sophomore? Eighth grade. I jumped like six, three or something super crazy high. Just kidding. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but I was happy about it. I mean, I was probably 90 pounds in eighth grade. I was a little kid. And then freshman year, I mostly ramped like 400. was kind of my thing. And I think I probably pulled to maybe nine feet. Oh, wow. And I started going to the flying dragon. So then my sophomore year, I went 11, junior year, 12, six, and then senior year, 13, five. 
right so whenever you were uh at the flying dragons who were you working with the most there like that you would say kind of helped develop your yeah so mike cockerham was always around and then also tom coolen do you Uh remember adam yeah Yeah. so he was always there too and he helped me out quite a bit gotcha gotcha yeah they provided such an incredible resource for people um especially like during the winter time and and things like that. Cause I know a lot of high schools down like South, like towards like where you guys were at, not very many of them had indoor uh, facilities. No, or even like a lot of poles for that matter. Right. Right. Yeah. And being able to go in and practice that is, is awesome. I remember whenever I was jumping, that was just kind of started. That was just like coming up and I was just like, yeah, man, it's good good uh good resource for sure so it sounds like it had a pretty big impact on you and and your abilities which is pretty cool yeah i mean it was only a half hour drive for me so Mm. um there was another kid in my high school that would go too so we just carpool and it worked out well but there was another girl that would go and she was an hour and a half drive yeah she would make that so three hours a night twice a week that's a lot of car time (laughs) yeah yeah we've got we that's we've got some of those people too but you know it's amazing what kids will do if they have a goal and they want to make it happen and then and then it's amazing too i think the biggest thing that i've noticed with running our gym is the dedication of the parents like the parents gosh dang like they are always driving their kids here driving their kids there buying this paying for that it's yep. it's really unbelievable and it's not yep. in a pushy way it's just that they their kids really want to be good and right parents you know want to want to provide as many opportunities as possible for them yeah yeah cool. give them the opportunity that's all they need half the time for sure for sure so why did you choose usd you know i think i got a feel for the team on my visit and i really like them but I was actually at the Gill Factory Vault. Do you remember that in Champaign? Oh, yeah, for sure. That place was awesome. It was and really then, cool. Yeah, this pro elite vaulter comes walking over to me after the competition with like green dyed hair and purple <laughs> tips. And I was like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? And it had a South, he had a South Dakota shirt on. It was Derek Miles. Uh-huh. And then he was explaining that he's a college coach. And I remember I turned around. And this other girl that was standing there with me, we were like two little school girls just like laughing about how cool that was. This guy just jumped 19 feet and now he wants me to come to his school so he can coach me. Right, right. (laughs) So um, after just like chatting with him and some other like great coaches, I went on the official visit and I really liked the team dynamic. And I thought that there was another girl, uh, Bethany Buell, she was USD's first NCAA champion. Hmm. Uh, she was just a little bit better at me than everything. And I wanted that. I wanted somebody that was going to push me pretty hard and it worked. She did. So what was it about the team dynamics? Like what, what, what is it? Is it a big team? I'm not familiar with uh, USD. So like, is it a was big a lot team, smaller? smaller. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it was like probably seven and now they're up to like 12 or 13, uh, including some multis on there too. Um, but just like how they got along, how they communicated at practice, uh, it didn't seem like it was like for show or anything. Uh, right. And I just wanted to be a part of that. Right, for sure. So what did uh, what were your other uh, options that you were looking at whenever you were coming out of high school? 
Yeah, I was really close to going to the University of Northern Iowa, actually. Uh, that's where Phil Hansen went. Yeah. Uh, I almost went there too. Yeah. yeah. I just thought Dan Steele was the coach. He was a really nice guy. I really liked him. And I went to University of Minnesota for a visit. And then I went to University of Arkansas for a visit too. Mm. And was it, was like the kind of the kicker was, was Derek or, or was it more the team or? Yeah, I would say um, he definitely is very good at recruiting. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And it's like, he genuinely cares. And so it's, it's true. And yeah, I would say I thought that he could get me to be the best Walter that I could possibly be. Right. Right. That's awesome. How involved is Derek still in your, in your, uh, like in what you do? Like when you leave college, I guess people, there's a lot of people who are just coming out of college that listen to this podcast and they're trying to navigate those waters of post-collegiate pole vaulting. And it's, it's very hard, as you know, how involved is Derek in your day to day? The day-to-day, like if I need something, I can shoot him a text or give him a call. Um, But otherwise, he kind of just gives us the training and then we go off and do it. Uh, If there's something I'm like, hey, I want to switch my jump day this week. Can we alter that? He'll do that. He'll change the training for it. But as far as day-to-day, I don't see him a whole lot, which was a huge transition for me. Going from college when he's around there every day to kind of like, you got to take this training into your own hands a little bit, you know, be a little bit more independent, which was very hard, but I'm glad he did it that way. So now if I go over to Europe, I'm hundred percent comfortable when Derek's not around. So, right. Right. For sure. So are you generally training besides your jump days? Are you training generally like kind of by yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Or if there's like a, are you familiar with wickets, the wicket drill? Uh, like mini hurdles. Yeah, those. Okay, so yeah. like if I'm doing those, I I found those really help me and I'll want Derek to watch those. So he'll come down and he'll watch those. Or if there's another like tech day in the fall that we're not jumping, but we're doing pole carries, he'll make sure he comes out and watches those too. Now, what are you doing with these wickets? Uh, I'm just going like, I'm really working on vertical lift with them uh, and making sure like my foot's right under my hip. So I get some pop out of it. It's all like ground strike. Thing because I'm not I'm not very fast, so I kind of have to utilize what I have and just right. get as much out of the run as I can. Okay, so like what kind of like so you're just like putting them up and just going over a series of them, or are you doing like yep. a full run with them? Or yeah, so we'll probably go. Uh, there's probably maybe 30 meters of wickets, and they just get they gradually get more spaced out as you build up speed, and then we'll try and hold it for maybe. 10, 15 meters after that. Right. And so this is with a pole? Sometimes. 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 Yeah. But we okay. start without a pole. We don't do them with a pole to start. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm just interested. I never really got into using wickets until this year. I actually saw, I don't know if you, uh, I think his name's Tim Riley. I should know this. He's the guy uh, out in Seattle. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. At Northwest pole vault academy i think that's what it's called uh but i saw him do a couple uh, drills with beginners with putting wickets like uh for the first two strides and this was the first year that i ever like even thought about using them um 
but yeah, yeah, that's, I just am interested in, uh, all the different types of, of training and, and yeah. what other people do. So what, what do you think like is the core of like the training that Derek writes for you? Like, is it vault heavy? Is it sprint heavy? Is it lift heavy? Like if, if he were to reduce it down to like hardly anything, what do you think would be like the core of what you do? Like the main staples? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, he's a lot from Dan path. So a lot of it is a sprint Olympic jump day. I mean, we don't jump more than twice a week. So in competition, that's a practice day and then a comp day. Any more than that, I don't think I would like it very much. <laughs> that's about yeah, for sure. For me. So uh, just I have to watch my volume a little bit because I have had some injuries in the past. So I would say definitely acceleration is one of his staples. That's all I did this fall. Yeah, it's acceleration work. Okay, and acceleration work as in like, are you pulling sleds or are you yep. like, what yep. kind of acceleration work? Yeah, so we do um, sleds for sure. And then just work on posture for up to 30 meters, I'd say. Posture up to 30 meters. Okay, yeah. interesting, interesting. Yeah. And then do you guys do like, like li Olympic lifting and stuff like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, two to three like in the fall, that's two to three times a week. And is that generally, um, like, like cleans from the floor or hangs yeah. or. Yeah. Um, in the fall, it's definitely the full range of motion stuff right now. Like I have hang cleans today. So right now it's hang. fast and explosive stuff. Right. Because that's your kind of, so yeah. How, how much longer are you going to jump this, this season? You thinking? So there's a meet in Memphis on the 30th that I'm going to go to. Um, it's the American Track League meet. And then I'm in NACAX. So I don't know if oh, he's cool. going to that, but that's at the end of August. So I've got a couple more weeks yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Luke is going to go to that. It was just so weird how uh, we were, we were, you know, planning out the season. And and then all of a sudden it was just like, hey, yeah, you got invited to this thing. And it was just like, holy cow. Now we're really extending out into... Uh, in deep into the summer, you know, right. Yeah. Which is wild, but that's, I guess, you know, kind of mid September is when everything like totally shuts down. Right. I think like the diamond league finals in the first week of September, I believe. So. Right. Right. What's the longest that you've ever extended your season out to? I went to the match in 2019 and I believe that was like the first week of September too. And it was new territory for me as well. Like, right. What is happening? <laughs> so when do you, when do you, when would you say like your official season like starts every year? It's tough. I mean, this was the first year I've jumped indoor in a long time because weird. I've, I've had some hiccups there with injury. Mm. Uh, so usually I'd like to do an indoor, which is end of January, early February. And then kind of shut it down a little bit in March to get back going in April. Right, right. What uh, you you've been mentioned injuries a few times. What what injuries kind of have you been dealing with? Most recently has been my Achilles, which is kind of what happened last year and the year before that. COVID just kind of nobody knew about it. Um, right. Started at the end of 2019, but I had a really good season yet. And then it just didn't get any better until this year. <laughs> right, right. So what do you what do you think is what what's the like cause? What was it been diagnosed as? Uh, I had a partial tear in it from 
an ultrasound and an MRI showed it too. So, and have you just been rehabbing or have you, uh, like, have you done any surgeries or anything like I that? I tried, um, it wasn't really a surgery. It was more like a procedure where they went in and they tried to like scrape out all the scar tissue. And then, um, I rehabbed that and it just, I had about the same pain, so it didn't really do anything, but then it was the same season as trials. So it was like October of 20 and everybody's getting ready for 2021. So I'm like, well, just deal with what we can. Right. And then the trials went as kind of as I expected. I just tried, I thought I could make a couple bars, but it just didn't quite work out that way. And so we just shut it down. And then I worked with a PT here at USD and I did PT for six months every other day, pretty hard. Oh, and wow. I was running this year, still a little bit of pain here and there, but it's definitely manageable. So what do you, whenever you have an injury like this, so this is not going to be a, you know, short term type deal. Like, no. like <laughs> you, you kind of have to set yourself up for mentally kind of for the long term like it's just like okay well this is it's been bothering me for i mean how long has it been now it was like three years well two okay. years i wasn't really running right <laughs> so like you could probably say to yourself that it's probably just going to be hanging on for a really long time and you may you know deal with it in the slightest you know for the rest of your career you never know you know right so how do you set yourself up mentally for gaining confidence back in that achilles and like being able to trust yourself again yeah it was it definitely was a process i mean i was i would get up and kind of limp for no reason just because i was used to it because oh in gosh. the morning usually like my heel wouldn't hit the ground it was pretty sore for a long time and so i think we just had such a slow progression like to start it was just all body weight stuff and then we slowly added weight and then like I, at the end there, I was doing three sets of 10 calf raises with like an 88 pound dumbbell. Mm. So I knew it was, I trusted it was pretty strong. Right. And then we started doing like single leg plyos before jogging just to load it a little bit, but in a controlled setting. And so after I started doing that, then jogging without pain and then a little bit faster of a jog to a stride and then sprinting. I sprinted in my flats for eight weeks, probably before I even touched spikes. Cause I was pretty nervous about wearing spikes. Right. Right. And is it on your takeoff leg? Opposite Ooh. actually. Yeah. Which I thought it was super weird. So it's your left leg. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That is very, very strange that it's not on your takeoff. Like, well, I yeah, mean, thank God. Helps. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Cause I can trust it, the takeoff leg. <laughs> right. For sure. For sure. So what, what do they think is cause, or what do you think is causing that injury? Is yeah. it, you know, some sort of imbalance or, or some sort of mechanics and you're running or, or what? Probably, you know, I, right now in my trainers and my spikes, I have a little hole in them which helps a lot. So there's no like friction. In the oh, back of yeah. The yeah. Derek told me about that. Yeah. yeah. We just tried it one day and it worked and we're like, well, we're keeping that. <laughs> that's wild. So is it down by like the, uh, the, I don't know what that's called. Calcaneus. Yes. The heel bone right on there. Yeah. Okay. So it's like right at right where it attaches to of there. Of course. Yeah. And oh, that's a really man. hard spot to heal. 
So yeah, for sure. No pun, no pun intended. intended there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that's always been an interesting one because when you go through an injury, when a pole vaulter goes through an injury, there's like, it's like a timeline of events that happens. Like the injury happens and then you think that it's going to be okay in the next couple of weeks and then it's not okay in the next couple of weeks. Yep. And then you get really sad and and then you like you know what screw it i'm gonna just try it anyway and then you injure it probably even more you know and then and then you end up coming to this place where you have to set up yourself for the long term it's like dang it this is one of those ones that's gonna stick around for a long time right you know and you have to mentally be able to say to yourself all right this is kind of like I have to create a new normal. So how am I going to pull out high with this Achilles? You know what right. I'm saying? And and uh, I think that that's a hard. And then the next phase to that, I think, is developing trust in it. You know, trust in that injury where you are going to be like, okay, I subconsciously have been babying this thing for so long, and I have to find out a way that I can trust it and. I don't know for my, I I had a really bad knee issue and, and I eventually just kind of towards the end of my career had to just throw caution to the wind and just be like, you know what, if this is the thing that takes me out, then this is going to be the thing that takes me out. I'm going, I'm going baby. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. But you know what you can find in those points in those periods, what you can find is that those tendons and those ligaments are a lot stronger than what you think they are, right. you know, like, and, and they, and obviously for sure it hurts. And that's a really hard thing to get over when every step you take, it's like, ew, ew, mm-hmm. ow, ooh. you yeah. know, like it's really hard to get over, but it is crazy how much your body and your mind can adapt to it. It right. can adapt to it to where if you, you know, slowly over time, it's like, Hey, you know what? this bothers me every day, but it's not affecting me anymore. Right. As long as you can maintain it. Yeah. And that 475 jump that you just texted over to me a little (laughs) bit ago, that was a heck of a jump. So how, how, what happened between when I saw you at USA's and that was after us or was that before USA's? That was before USA's. That was was before, before, before USA's. So you looked really, really good on that jump. So on that jump, that 475 at the training center, how bad was your like Achilles pain? I'm just curious. No, it actually was not too bad. Um, I had a lot of trouble probably two weeks before that meet. And so I did a lot of dry needling with my PT who I was working with and just got it kind of under control again. Gotcha. So like I said, if it's pretty manageable. Sometimes if it's really sore, I'll put a little heel lift in to take some pressure off of it, but I don't really like doing that. <laughs> right. Right. So then going into USA is how was your like confidence? If you're being honest, like, just like, cause it looked like, looked like in that one, you, you know, were ready to pop, you know, and then, and then at USA's it kind of, I was watching it. It kind of just looked like, I don't know if you were struggling with that specific injury a little bit more but uh it just I don't know it just seemed like it was just a little off that day yeah you know I had really great warm-ups at USA I was pretty confident um and now that you say that actually between 
that meet at the training center in USA's, I only had one jump day because I was pretty mm. sore and I tried to jump and I called it because I'm like, I'm good. I just need to make sure I'm healthy down the runway. So I was a little bit sore at that time. Um, but USA's, yeah, I had great warmups. I was super dialed in. And then once I started kind of working through the meet and getting on my bigger sticks, wasn't really loading them up very well. Like my 60 jump, I, I remember I took off and I was like, dang it, I missed it. And I just yeah. tried to swing around as fast as I could and I made it. <laughs> I know. I that's out on that one. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like what I saw too. It just looked like you weren't timing them up. Like it was just yeah. like, ah, oh, man, she's just freaking barely missing these. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It happens all the time. It happened in Birmingham when I jumped 445 and it was the same pole, same run. And at 55, I just couldn't time it up. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. And, uh, you know, it is what it is though. So you brought, uh, you brought up a good point that I've actually been meaning to talk about, like kind of on this podcast is you had that stellar jump at 475 at the training center. And then you said you were like, you know what? I, I went into that next meet or into that next training session, maybe felt a little bit of soreness or pain. And then you were like, no, I'm good. I'm, I don't need to jump until USA's. So have you like, have you ever struggled with towing the line of training? Like where it's like, when you're trying to get ready for a big meet, like USA's, you have to walk that razor's edge of not training enough and then not training too much. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How do you manage that? I struggle with that big time, I would say. Uh, I think most probably elite vaulters do because we want it so bad. Right. We want to make sure we're doing all the right things to set up for the perfect meet that we're all striving for. But I learned a lot through this injury, I think. And Derek has been like a staple in this. So, for example, I, I started running in my spikes in like December. And I was just chomping at the bit to start jumping. And I was just bugging Derek. I'm sure he wanted to like wring my neck because I kept bugging him about it. Um, because I'd see videos of people jumping. People are getting ready to go to Reno in January. And I was like, man, I just I feel like I haven't pulled in so long because last year doesn't really count. And I just didn't trust that I knew how to pull vault still. And so right. I think as soon as I hopped on the runway, things just started like going into place because I could run. I had all the training underneath my belt and I was running really well. And that is like 90% of my job is if I can run smooth and go in there and hit it, I'll be fine. So I, I knew that going into USA's. I'm like, if I'm just not limping down the runway, I'll be able to figure something out, even if I'm not quite timed up. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That, that is a tough one. So like going into like a meet like that, what does your week before that, like, let's say the week of like week of a big meet like USA is what does your training schedule look like? So I'll probably try to time my jump day, like three or four days, like practice day before that. So I'll have the jump day and then I'll run a little bit of speed after. So I'll do 15 or so jumps. I'm supposed to, sometimes I go over that. <laughs> you know how that goes. Oh yeah. One more jump. One like more jump podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, so I'll hit some speed after, and then I might do a light lift the next day. Kind of depends. Uh, I don't think I did for USA's this time, just because I, 
was traveling the next day after that. Um, right. So then you'll have a travel day and then the day before you just do your normal warm up and then go into the meet. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, are there any, this is random, but do you, do you ever, do you supplement at all? Like do you use any supplements? You know, I'm really terrible. I don't, I take a multivitamin and that's about it. Um, I've toyed with like amino acids and things like that, but I don't, I never felt that much different. Mm. So I just try to eat really well. I try to get my nutrition through what I'm eating. Yeah. It's a lot cheaper that way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I feel pretty good for the most part. I make sure I get my sleep and try to eat a balanced meal. And yeah, I don't feel like I'm missing. Do you uh, supplement caffeine at all before you jump? Yeah, actually, yes. Yeah, I was going to say, come on. Big coffee drinker? Yes. What's your go-to coffee drink? Uh, Well, from Starbucks, it's the vanilla sweet cream cold brew. That goes crazy. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But usually just a a regular black coffee with a little creamer in there. Yeah, yeah. So So do you use that before you jump at all? Yeah. Um, I, I was in a bad habit of those little, they're not little, they're monster rehab drinks. I love it those. tastes like iced tea. I know. Like, this is a problem. I love those too. Those actually, to be honest with you, I'm not like promoting monster or anything, but I have got a very serious caffeine issue as yeah. well. Um, and I, a part of it is a caffeine issue that I do a lot of stuff. So I need a lot of energy, which to be honest with you could totally be taken care of with a good night's sleep and good <laughs> and drinking water and eating yep. food and stuff <laughs> like that, like good food. Um, but I enjoy experimenting with all kinds of supplements and you right. know, drinks and stuff like that. But those monster rehabs actually don't have a crazy amount of caffeine caffeine in them. They're like 160 milligrams. Yeah. And but they have quercetin in them, which is uh, uh, I think that's an, an antioxidant. Um, and I enjoy those monster rehabs too. I was we were on a kick on those like two years ago. Yeah. But, but yeah, so I could drink those at the office. I'm like, that I should not do. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know they're so good. So what, uh, so you, were you using those before you would jump? Yeah. And then why'd you stop? I'm just curious. Uh, no, like it really just depends on the day. Like I, I still do it sometimes. Gotcha. I just, I'm not married to anything like too specific, except obviously I do have some sort of caffeine intake where I'll have a headache. Nobody wants that, Emily. <laughs> Right, right, right. For sure. Um, so I, I actually, whenever that's really good because whenever I went to my, one of my trips in Europe, uh, where I vaulted over there, I remember I got to the meet and I was like, and I, you know, totally jet lagged. And I was like, Oh man, well, don't worry. I got my pre-workout. So I'll be good. <laughs> yeah. You know? So I take my pre-workout and then the next meet, I go to dig for my pre-workout and there's no pre-workout. And I was like, oh no, like I can't right. jump. I can't, <laughs> I can't jump. I can't jog. <laughs> and that, that was where I found, like, that was the moment that I realized I was like, oh, if you have an addiction to something, like anything that you're addicted to, 
then in the end, it could be a huge crutch and weakness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, so if you're yeah. addicted to like this specific caffeine drink or like this specific thing, something that you can't find anywhere, then you kind of are setting yourself up for if you forget it, like you just blow up. Yeah, for you sure. Know? One time Derek said he, I remember the story. I think I was still like an undergrad too. Uh, he was telling me that he was in Europe, very similar situation. And he was like on a diet Coke kick. Like he had to have one or two every day. I'm like, of course you did. But uh, he couldn't find it anywhere. And he said he walked like a mile, mile and a half just to find it. Otherwise, he felt like he couldn't jump either. And then that's what stemmed him to knock that habit out. Yeah, it's tough. And then like another thing that he does too is like uh, sticky. I don't know if you do that. No way. (laughs) But seriously, like think about it. Like if you, if your sticky concoction like if you forget it, you know, yeah. and it's not like readily available, it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm completely addicted to this. And like, if I don't have it, then I'm, you know, you're kind of set up to right. to not have a good need. So like, I always have thought to myself that the people who need the least are the strongest because they don't need anything. Like it's not, right. it's, like, it's not like I need this in order to be able to jump high. It's just like people who can just roll up. It's like, you know, I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need this. I can just roll up and jump yep. with anything. Yeah. Those are the strongest people, you know, I think. Yeah. I, I just like, you never know what you're going to have over in Europe. You never know what's going to be around. So, right. So how do you deal with like food and stuff over there? Do you, do you like, can you even bring food over there? You can't even bring. I mean, I always bring like trail mix and stuff because it is like pretty high calorie. So if you think the breakfast is terrible, at least you'll have something with some calories in there. <laughs> you don't right. it away. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Have you ever had any bad experiences with like eating over there, like getting stomach bug or anything? You know, knock on wood. I don't think I have. That's yeah, it's kind of lucked out. <laughs> usually it's like the same food every meal that they have over there so like if it's boring that's fine i'm not getting sick from it (laughs) right right for sure what um if you had like a pre-meat meal or pre-meat snack like what's your go-to i'm a for a snack (laughs) i'm a huge goldfish person (laughs) they're so salty and like they're pretty light you know so i always have those in my bag too goldfish Uh, yeah yeah no i like it i like it yeah that's uh that's an inner that's an interesting one i haven't heard of that but i do like that it is very light for sure it's not like a huge heavy heavy meal or anything but um all right uh what would you say your biggest struggles are like on a day-to-day like right now like what are you dealing with right now that is like kind of pressing on you uh, definitely. Well, the Achilles for sure. Cause it's always like you were saying earlier, like every step, I always kind of feel it until I get loosened up. And so that usually kind of gets my confidence a little bit. So if I just go down there and hit it, like I know how to every time, um, I'd probably be a little further along than I am. And I've had a good year this year. So there's always that. What if I didn't waste six jumps in practice, kind of testing, half hitting it, whatever it is, not running through it. What if I added up all those jumps? Would I have hit another PR right now? I don't know. Right. But. So it still is kind of just that Achilles weighing weighing on you. Yeah. I think that ties with my confidence quite a bit. 
Yeah, it does. I mean, think about it. I mean, you're, you're, and I think, you know, like we were talking about earlier is just your ability to trust that thing 100% again. Yeah. You know, like how do you trust something 100% that hurts? Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And then all like my PT and stuff shows that I put a lot of weight through that. So it's, it's fine. It's okay. (laughs) Right. Right. And you never know, like it could just be like scar tissue that is like pressing on a nerve somewhere that that's like, it's just, it could be totally like that pain in there could have no structural significance at all. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it could have zero, you know, to do with, um, you know, the strength of your Achilles or anything like that. Yeah. And if anything, last year, it probably would have been more dangerous, you know, because I hadn't had all of the rehab that I've done this year. Right. So was that an acute injury? Like, did it, did something happen to it or was it just over? It just started, um, actually in 2019, I remember indoor, it started. And that's when we cut the hole and it went away. So I forgot about it. And then I got like a new pair of spikes or a new pair of trainers or something. And since I forgot about it, I didn't cut a hole. And so it came back and we're like, oh crap, we better put that in again. And it never went away after that. Oh, bummer. Bummer. Yeah. Um, what pole and grip uh, are you using uh, for that? Like for your personal best? Yeah. So um I got these poles in college, but they're 14 ones, but Essex put like three or four more inches of grip on them. So three inches of grips, so there's 14, four grip on it. So I think I was gripping 14, three and it was a 175. 14, three on a 175. Dang. That's yeah. awesome. Good for you. I, got a 180. Um, I wish I would have had it in the bag that day. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. I was looking at that jump and I was like, oh man, yeah, you probably could have had it one more. So what, what do you think is the biggest like thing that is holding you back from, um, you know, jump in those eighties, 85, 90. I think uh, it's bar. all the timing, those last six, six steps. If I'm up tall and kind of cruising in there, it's really easy to time it up. But I get really flat sometimes when I try too hard and then I'm really low at the takeoff. So I just don't load up the pole as well. Right. So people see all the time. (laughs) What what are you what are you doing to kind of work on that? Just uh tempo and just trying to run it right every single time. A lot of it I also think I think I'm a way better pole vaulter this year, but I think it's just the lack of reps and the lack of consistent training the last couple of years is what's fluctuating every time. Because I'm trying to execute the same goal, but it's it's different quite a bit. Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. What was your longest uh, stretch like that you had off because of this injury? So 2020, I mean, I did, I was just training in my flats. I didn't spike up like the whole time, but 2021 trials were in June and I didn't really run until November. So five, six months. You didn't run? No, I was doing only the loading and like some of the hops. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dang that is a pretty good stretch then it was that's when i was like well if this is it i mean i've literally tried everything i could have and that is fine with me i was comfortable with that right and then i just slowly got back and then i jumped 445 from 10 at milrose with five left and i'm like well maybe i'm gonna be all right <laughs> there we go <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite meet that you jumped in so far Ooh. 
That's a good question. Uh, World Championships obviously was cool in 2017. Um, I think I was just young and I had no idea what was going on <laughs> in the right. stadium that big. Right. So I'd probably say that or that meet in Switzerland in Bellinzona. That was the prettiest track I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. The, like in the background, there was just mountains and it was so pretty. <laughs> Do you jump well? Yeah. 463. Yeah. <laughs> Double. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, so I have a question. What, going back to 2017, you know, oh, when when did you graduate? That year. Okay. So going back to that year, you know, you're you're coming out of college just ripping and roaring, you know, like <laughs> I mean, like, like a bat out of hell. You're coming out of there just like going going crazy. If you were to go back and tell yourself something back then like what what advice would you give that person i do need to like just trust myself you know so i had a stress fracture at the end of that year and i was like well i have to do all these running workouts or i'm not going to be very good which ties into the conversation we had five minutes ago you know i would have been fine and I probably would have came back a little healthier to set up 2018 a little bit better. So just a lot of learning from my mistakes since then. So I would, I would just tell myself to feel your body and listen to your body. And when enough is it, enough. And just, just trust it. Yeah. yeah. And trust that you're good enough. Do you ever have problems pushing uh, because you're like, you know, I, I need to be stronger. I need to be faster. I'm going to push, 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 yeah. push, push. Yeah. You ever have issues like that? Yeah, definitely. When I actually, probably when I was an undergrad, I struggled with it a lot more. Just, I had such a learning curve and I, I could see that I, I had more potential in the bank and I just wanted it right here, right now. The right. dangs and carrot kind of analogy. And it's like, this sport is a is the long haul. Right, right. Not a lot sure. happens right here, right now in polo. Yeah, it's it's like it is very weird. I think how there's like there's like two areas. I feel like where there's like people have a lot of success generally, like throughout you know high school and then like college, but then there's like this lull time almost in a lot of pole vaulters career um besides mondos um (laughs) (laughs) and chris yeah 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 mondo and chris besides theirs um where there's like this period of like i wanted to be this person and i had these dreams of being this person and i was that person i was coming up to be that person right and then there was like a period where I had to kind of where I maybe lost that and like lost that person of who I once was. And then, then if you can hang on long enough, then I think a lot of those people end up reconnecting with that person, you know, that, that fun, energetic, young person who's just like so confident that they could just like run through a wall, you know? Right. So that, do you, do you like, do you, how, how do you feel like your confidence is now 
compared to where you were coming out of college, having just made that world team? I think I just understand the sport a lot better now. Um, and that it is, it just does take so much time and you have to be healthy and ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and pole can be as simple or as complicated as you make it, you know? Yeah. So I think what's helped me a lot too is coaching high school. Like those kids clear nine feet and just lose their mind. <laughs> like they're just so jazzed about it and bringing that energy, like makes me remember why I enjoy the sport so much because it is fun. And it's kind of like a puzzle. You can try a bunch of different things and see what works and what doesn't. You're like, okay, that was pretty cool. So it's a, just it's a like, blast. Yeah. It's a blast. It, it really is fun. And I think that at the end of the day, it, that's what it all boils down to is the times whenever you like release the pressure and release the expectation and you release all of that stuff and you just literally are trying to connect with something fun that you did as a kid. Right. That's where all our greatest performances are at. A hundred percent. When you're not thinking you're like autopilot because your body knows what it's doing. I mean, how many jumps have we done in our lifetime? Right. Can't count. Right. right. Exactly. And I think that, I think that that's kind of, I guess what I'm trying to explain is what I've noticed in, in people's career. Cause it, it is no, like it's, it's very strange that females between 28 and 32 end up, you know, being very good, you know, (laughs) like, and it's no, no, you know, coincidence that males from like 30 to 35 end up, you know, being really good. Like, and I think that that is kind of where they can, they can have that young success. And then they, they kind of go through this period of finding, reconnecting with who, who they are and, and they get beat up. They just get beat up by the pole vault. They just get beat down, you know? And, and then I think, you know, at the end of it, I think it just all will circle completely back to why, you originally did it. And then if you can hang on long enough, you can have that period at the end of your career where it's like, you know what? I'm just out here. I'm just having fun. I'm enjoying my time. This is a fun thing that I do. There are no expectations. There are no, there is no pressure. And then, uh, through that, you know, surrendering those things, you end up like just being better and more consistent and, and you, you leave meets happier, you know, regardless of the outcome and, and, uh, yeah, so that's it's a very strange game that we play. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, you kind of I mean there's two different lenses you can look through, right? There's the pessimistic one and then there's the optimistic one. Right. Like USA didn't go exactly as I had planned it to go, but so I was kind of sad about it and then I was standing watching the rest of the competition and I was thinking, you know, I just jumped 460 on a bad jump. So now what can I do to fix that to get a better jump in the future? It's just one meet out of the entire season. Right. Like you can choose to be upset about it or you can choose to fix the problem and move on. (laughs) What do you have to lose by being optimistic? Right. Nothing. (laughs) You have nothing to lose. It's a lot better for your health, mental health. (laughs) Right. Right. You, you only have things to gain by just, you know, letting it go and, and, and just moving on. You know, that's, that's the thing is that there is absolutely nothing stopping somebody from looking at it through the lens of optimism. Right. You know, there's nothing stopping you from doing it. It's just you either, you, yeah. either you go down this road or you go down this road, just 
choose which one you're going to go down. And obviously there's a lot more layers to it because, you know, we we put a lot of effort into it and and things like that, but there's nothing stopping somebody from just being like optimistic about it. You know, you can be optimistic and positive and still be a badass and train hard and do all these things, you know, like some, some people think like, Oh, I just, I got to be hard on myself. And like, I got to just tough it out. And, you know, and it's like, you can have both, you can be tough and you can be like optimistic and positive, you know? So I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so what, uh, how did you get linked up with Karen Lockie? Um, so she helped Derek for like 10 years. Mm. And so, uh, we kind of just started chatting after us champs when we made the team. And I was like, so do you mind kind of helping me out here? And then our relationship just kind of grew after that. And so what role does she play like in your whole career? Like, what does she do just for people who are unaware of, you know, what agents do and and things like that? Yeah. She, uh, I mean, she's definitely taught me how to travel with poles. <laughs> she gets my poles there um, and back in a safe manner. And then she's just aware of what kind of meets are going on in Europe and in the US. Right. So, and the Nike kit, I wouldn't have had that without Karen either. So, so what is a Nike kit? I'm I'm unaware. Yeah, it's just the uniform and then like the all the warm-up stuff and some training gear, spikes, shoes. Just just some gear, like training yeah. gear and stuff like yeah. that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, especially it actually comes into handy having somebody like that on your side with this new world ranking system too, Right. with the meets and, uh, you, you know, getting into meets that you're going to be able to score significant points. Right. Yeah. Like that got me into Birmingham this year. Yeah. That's amazing. So how, how has that system changed the way that you're setting up your schedule? Honestly, not a whole lot right now. Uh, this season really was just about trying to get back into jumping shape and see what I can do. Turned out a lot better than I had thought, actually. For <laughs> I sure. I jumped 70 and 75 this year. If you would ask yeah. me that in January, I would have said no shot. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Good for you. Yeah. So I hadn't really thought about that too much. Derek and I had planned to jump into the summer pretty late since I didn't get back to long run until march april anyway so right right um what are your long-term goals how long you want to keep this thing going yeah i always i always told myself i wanted to jump until i was like 30 Mm -hmm. uh, and i'm 29 now so i'm still enjoying the sport Uh, i don't think i mean time will tell but i don't think i'll be done until 2024 probably Uh, but I don't want to stop when I still feel like there's more in the tank and I feel good. Right. Right. How, how do you keep yourself in good condition as you get older? Does it get harder? I don't know. I don't know if I've reached that yet. I make sure I sleep a lot. I get like nine, 10 hours of sleep at night. It's a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm usually so tired too, which helps from just a long day. And then I'm pretty big on nutrition too. What kind of nut- nutritional choices do you make? Just make sure it's balanced. Make sure I get plenty of fruits and vegetables every every meal, um, and then enough protein. And I'm not too crazy about it. Like if my friends are like, "Hey, we're going out to dinner. We're gonna go do this." I I will go enjoy myself at dinner with my friends. So I balance it. Right. Right. Yeah. 
that's uh increasing it gets more important as you get further along i think is is just uh doing it but what i found is is that i think if you just keep on training and you keep on pole vaulting you can really like stave off that uh getting out of shape as you get older thing yeah i mean i my speed down the runway is faster than it has been it's showing in the poles that i'm rolling so that's outstanding do you guys better yeah yeah it looks really really nice do you guys track any metrics or anything uh we usually like um flying 15 but i haven't ran it this year Um, right so I have no idea where I'm at. I'd like to know. I actually went to do it yesterday, but the batteries were dead. So I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I, I sometimes, uh, I do, I track a lot of metrics with Luke. Um, I keep him in the dark on a lot of the metrics. Yeah. Um, and I, cause I, just cause I think sometimes it can be good and sometimes it can be bad. So like in my head, like I would, I'm like, if you're jumping good, then you're jumping good. Right. You know, like, and, and if it's like, if there's a chance that you could run that flying 15 or whatever, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, that's so much slower than I thought. (laughs) It's like, oh, what did I do? Now I know now the curtains, you know, it's been revealed to me that, uh, you know, I don't know. So that's what I do with Luke is I, I make sure to like, I track his like sleep metrics and, and, uh, like through his aura ring and then I track like his speed metrics and stuff like that, but then I don't do it like close to the meat. You oh, know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Just so then it's like, we don't want to, we don't want him to wake up on the day of a meet and look at his aura ring score and be like, yeah. oh my gosh, I got a I terrible aura terrible. Ring score. <laughs> now I'm going to jump like garbage, you know? Right. It's like that doesn't I don't but he think got off weird. a plane in sweden and jumped pretty well yeah that was his first time too he 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 did all right and uh he's i think he what he's doing is similar to what we had talked about earlier is he's reconnecting with who he is he he was a such a, a freaking confident confident high school pole vaulter man like just yeah you could throw a brick and smack him in the head with it in the middle of the <laughs> runway and, and he, like, could finish, he could finish the jump and still make 17. Like he was, he was just so confident. And then somewhere along the line, he just lost that. He just lost that little, little kid. That's just like, I don't care. I'm, I'm right. just confident. And, and I think that that's kind of been my job in his training is, is reminding him who he is you know, like reminding him, like, dude, you're this dude, like you're this guy over here. You're not this guy over here. You know, like, and, uh, and I think that that's, that's good. And things like when, when you remind yourself, like, no, I'm, I'm pretty badass. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a tough person and I can handle anything and you can get off a plane and, you know, put it down. So we were talking about that a little bit, like the confidence part, when you go overseas, when we were both waiting for our pull bags in Chicago, and we both came to the consensus what helps us a lot when we go overseas because always those front buns are pretty short. It's always just mm. a little bit weird. You got a little jet lag. Is if you run down the runway on that first one and just smack it as hard as you can, it sets the tone for the rest of the meet. 
100 it's funny because we both were saying that from short run we're like if it's your 10 step i don't care if you're two feet under pull small enough grips low enough just smack it yeah you <laughs> see, you establish it you establish like this is how i am going to go about this meet or yep, whatever and you figure out where you're at down the runway it just yeah it just sets the tone <laughs> absolutely all right so let's say that it's a saturday in the off season what's emily grove doing you don't got anything to do you could just choose whatever you want to do for the day what are you doing i mean derek derek doesn't know this but emily grove is probably taking her bike off off the off trail going on nice trails yeah cool so do you guys have cool like good mountain biking around surprisingly yes um they're and they're all within probably about an hour there's quite a few trails to go off of very cool. I mean, it's definitely not Moab, Utah, but <laughs> have you ever done like a biking trip? Or no, but I think after this season wraps up, I kind of want to. <laughs> That's so cool. So, yeah. so those bikes can get pretty pricey and can uh, get kind of addicting. Are you like uh, dropping a bunch of cash into those things? You know, mine was no? kind of like middle of the road. I mean, I don't really care. It was like I found I saw it on Facebook Marketplace. It was a Trek right. Marlin Seven for like eight hundred bucks. It's wow. got a sweet like paint job on it, and I was like sold. <laughs> yeah, right. So I right. Went and picked it up, and I love it. That's awesome. I know a couple people who mountain bike, and it's like, yeah, man, you get this one, and then like two months later, it's like, hey, what happened to that one? Well, I found this one. It was only like two thousand dollars more. Yeah, but uh, you know, then all of a sudden yeah. it's like, dude, your bike's seven grand. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Like, so this one cow. for me is perfect. It'll keep me middle of the road. I won't be going off any jumps or doing anything crazy, but I'll have fun with it. Is there anything that you could see yourself doing, like getting into hardcore after your pole vaulting career is over? That I think will be a very slippery slope. <laughs> oh man. Because you get cool. the adrenaline that I think I'll miss from pole vault. Right. And that's also technical too. So it'll keep me occupied. <laughs> Do you see yourself staying like in South Dakota for the long haul or? Uh, you know, Sioux Falls is pretty nice. It's about 50 miles north from the town we're in. Uh, but I don't know. I think it'll depend on what job I get. Um, and if I eventually meet somebody too, uh, right. it'll, there are a couple different factors. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so we always have this spot like in our, in our show where we talk about if you were to choose three exercises that you could exclusively use for the rest of your career what would they be? Pole vaulting is a given. So you get pole vaulting for free. Uh, you can pull out as much as you want. Um, but outside of that, if there were three specific exercises that you could choose, what would they be? So we're just trying to get down to like the nitty gritty, like what, yeah, what exercises are, what's moving the needle? You know what I'm saying? What in your training is moving the needle? So like I can say like acceleration. Yeah. Okay. You use like a specific acceleration. Like, is there a specific drill or is it just like 30 meters? Yeah. I just need like 30 meters. Um, I actually think I heard this in Brad Walker's and he said power cleans, (laughs) which I'm not copycatting too much because I think his training and the training I'm used to with Derek are so similar. Right. I think power cleans are a great exercise because you get strength and like you learn some timing with it too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the best thing about like, so power cleans, like 
strength, speed, timing, athleticism. Yeah. It, it, it covers all of those things. But I think the thing that people look over in the power clean is the mental component because the mental component to a power clean is the same exact commitment factor that you have running down the runway with that, with that new pole on your first right. jump. It's just like, you're, you're like three, four strides away from the box and you're, you're making that commitment. Like I'm going to commit to this wholeheartedly. And right. it's the same thing whenever you have a lot of weight, like if you're going for like a personal best on the, on the power clean, there's a moment in that clean that you have to commit yourself wholeheartedly to catching it. Yeah. And I think that it's like the same mental training as whenever you are pole vaulting. That's why I love them so much. That's a great viewpoint, actually. Yeah, it, it really is. If you think about it, it's like you're, you're pulling that weight and it's like you get to that point where you're about to throw your hips and then you're either going to decide to kind of go for it yeah or you're really gonna go for it right. you know and it's the same thing whenever you run it on the runway it's like okay like you can bs your coach and be like oh no i tried it's like right come like, on it, yeah you didn't really try yeah <laughs> and like you want to think about it a little bit but not too much because then you won't be as smooth with it exactly and if you think about if you if you let your if you let your mind go for just a little second and think like oh this is heavy then yeah. all of a sudden done. you're done see yeah. ya <laughs> yep. you know might as well just go home after that you know like right. be done yeah. with the lift um so that's i that's something that i i love so much because you can work on that aspect of of your mental um with those two so yeah. okay so we got accelerations power cleans I'd say just like some, can I say like a, like bootcuss maybe? Yeah. On the high bar. Static or swinging? That's tough because you want the strength from static. I'd say probably swinging. Just keep the timing going. Yeah. Yeah. And you can over, always overload those if you wanted to. As yeah. Well. So yeah. it's a good, it's a, it's a good three. That's a solid three right there. That's, uh, I, I would say that the power clean or cleaning from the floor has been almost unanimous through everybody. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think that this question is really important because if a person comes to me and says, I don't need to power clean, I can be like, dude, out of the 32 podcasts that I've done with the best pole vaulters in the world, all of them, <laughs> like, 99.9% .9 of them power clean. I mean, you so, could probably so, get away with it, but <laughs> right. it's just kind of like, you know, it, it, the proof is in the pudding type deal. Yeah. But, well, that's a good three. Okay. Before we get off of here, um, Scott Houston said, uh, we put out that thing on Instagram and I read through some of them and Scott <laughs> Houston's just said Dutch bros. I love Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. So that I, would be a pre-meat ritual. <laughs> a pre-meat ritual, which is yeah. Dutch Bros coffee. We went like three times in Spokane, Washington for indoor USAs. <laughs> oh my gosh. Very cool. So that's kind of goes into the coffee, yes. coffee addiction type deal. Yep. <laughs> I had never been to a Dutch Bros until I was in Eugene. I had a punch card in Eugene and I'm not ashamed to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, really appreciate the time, Emily. Um, where, where could people follow you if they want to kind of keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, I would say I'm active on Instagram the most. Uh, it's just Emily with two Y's growth. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much and good luck to you and the rest of your season. Um, you said you have how many meets left too? Two. I mean, hopefully I can sneak some more in there, but we'll see. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, yeah. well, in, enjoy the rest of your season. Hopefully you can regain full trust, a hundred percent trust yeah. in that Achilles <laughs> and, and keep killing it. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me and good luck to you and Luke. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. All right. This is the one more jump podcast. Thanks guys. (laughs) 